on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. <laughs> Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Thanks to Andrew and Afric. It's Thursday the 4th of January and you're listening to Game On. Coming up today, we'll hear from Luke Littler on reuniting with his Xbox and his World Darts Championship Odyssey. In Gaelic football, Austin O'Malley and Chris McNulty predict the playing styles to look out for in the season ahead. In hockey, the Irish women's team are ready for their last shot at Olympic qualification. While in our eye on America, Jeff Shepard has the latest example of Aaron Rodgers being reckless. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552, find us on X at GameOn2FM, or WhatsApp us on 087 187 9200. On 2FM. Now, welcome along. Uh, Austin O'Malley is with me here in the studio. It's early January. Looking forward to the season ahead. Well, the season, the Gaelic football season is upon us. Um, it has started back very much um, with a lot of uh, fanfare and excitement because of some new managers at the helm. And we'll get to that in just a little while. Before that, though, I want to have a very quick chat with Austin about the darts. There was such high hopes for for Luke Littler heading in to the final of the PDC World Championship against Luke Humphreys last night. He came ever so close, but he was defeated 7-4. Very compelling game, but you could tell that Luke Humphreys had that little bit of an edge. He had that experience and, of course, world number one and so much form heading into it, having won three of the four majors and obviously so comfortable in that setup, as was Luke Littler, uh, but just he just couldn't get, get it done and has a huge future ahead of him. Austin, he's only 16 years of age and we spoke so much in the lead up to this final and all the games that he was playing in about his mentality and his composure. Finals are a little bit different though, aren't they? Yeah, they are obviously and there's a little bit more I suppose that burns on you from a psychological perspective but I think on the basis of overall looking at it, he he handled a lot of I suppose the different variables within that really, really, really well so I think when he reviews and, and walks away from this tournament that, you know, for given that he's only 16 coming 17, what he's achieved and often you can see this after, you know, when a young guy comes in, there's, there's no inhibitions, there's no fear mm-hmm. and he just rolls and you can see in terms of the forms of, of the darts that he was throwing and where, it, you know, where it took him. So um, he's a guy, I think he's a he, he's obviously a star for the future in that but finals are a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they are different uh, animals and you could see in, in, in that particular game um, and re- looking back at it again like you know there was I suppose different there was moments there was moments yeah, yeah. yeah. there was moments yeah, that moments. just that, that he will reflect on and think that you know and these are the moments I suppose the growth points are the growth moments mm. for for um, you know any sports person that when they reflect on again that they can learn from when they come back to the when he comes back to the hockey again yeah and look he's going to be around for um, a long time no doubt uh, but management's going to be so important as well Austin for somebody so young and for anyone who's not aware um, Austin is a performance coach mindset coach so he's loads of experience in this field what are the important things now for somebody so young to keep their career on the trajectory that it that it is on yeah I, I think there's a, there's a lot obviously with any high performing be it an athlete or a sports person I think it's about creating a scaffolding of support around you um, that it's there to support you and that you have the best people with the best knowledge and the best skill sets with your best interests at heart you know you always want to get um, or to to put a scaffolding around them again that it's athlete centred it's, it's sports person specific and centred and I think in the mo- in, in obviously in the modern performance zones um, 
this is it's the criteria for success really is building that scaffolding around the person to make sure that they have the best uh, resources and the best personnel around them again as I said with the with the person's best interests at heart so I think coming out of this tournament and when he reflects and you know if he wants to go on and develop um that natural ability he has mm. it's about putting those things in place and, and and getting those resources because it's Incredible the talent he has, but for the longevity and to be able to remain and repeat those performances, you really do need to create that environment and that scaffolding around the person to support them. So over our, our 3.5, 3.75 million viewers tuned in to Sky Sports to watch it. It was their most watched non-football event incredible in their numbers. history. Absolutely incredible. Um, he seemed to take all the, the pressure and the spotlight in his stride, but still... It's a different world now that he's waking up in. He was even just talking about the the different people that were congratulating him. The likes of David Beckham was um, picking him out. Like uh, there was uh, pop stars, celebrities, like people that never watched arts before, all tuning in. He's going to have a different life now, Osti, isn't he? he? He is, and that's the magnetism, I suppose, of stardom, you know, and that's what a lot of young people, um, you know, when they break through first, they have to deal with. And again, as I said there, it's, it's about the structure that's put around him. Obviously, his family will have a, a huge, huge part to play in that as well in terms of protecting him and his management team. But it is, it's literally, he's been, like, catapulted onto the, the main stage. Um, and when you have people re- reaching out to you and everybody will want a piece of you, they'll all want a piece of the action and so on. So he is quite young quite vulnerable obviously um, and, and, and at the, uh, you know at the very centre of it he's still a teenager so there's a lot of complexity in terms of what he has to deal with at the moment but you'd hope um, in this day and age that you know people would be savvy enough to, to really look at you know the scaffolding, as I said, and the support networks mm-hmm. around him, and you know someone that, that that can coach him and bring him through that. That he'd have a really good mentor, and uh, somebody that has been 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 you know through all of this and can foresee the potholes, uh, that, you know, or look around corners for him and and, and really support him um, on, on on that front. Well, he's done loads of interviews, as you'd expect, after such a momentous occasion last night. He spoke to Good Morning Britain earlier today. Let's hear from him. Going into the final, what what did you do? Um, I had scrambled eggs, beans and toast. Okay. For breakfast, which is at a particular time I mean, of day? for dinner. I woke up at 12. You woke up at 12, okay. <laughs> so your dinner was scrambled egg, beans and toast. Yeah. Okay, then you had, then you played. And then we go to the venue. Yeah. Sign, sign everyone in, get the wristbands on, have my margarita pizza. Nice. And then throw for like half an hour, 45 minutes, go in, pull up, see throws first. Play a bit of football manager and I'm back on the board. Play a bit of football manager because you're a big gamer as well. Yeah. And that's the one of the things you've really missed, isn't it? Yeah, I can't wait to go back on the Xbox. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said that you didn't, you, you, were, you were annoyed you didn't bring your Xbox down with you. I said, why didn't you? Didn't expect to, didn't expect to get to the final. Didn't expect to be here this like, Had you known, you'd have brought the Xbox with you? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> There's an amazing thing, Luke. We've watched you and we've been marvelling at the mental arithmetics of all of you uh, darts players. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Have you always been adept at mental arithmetics like that? As in, no. As in, uh, yeah. <laughs> as doing, yes. Yeah, as in doing, but doing it in your head, like adding up what you need, where you need to go. I think it's just the more you play, the more you get used to what you go for, what you set up and what you finish, really. It's just, you all get used to it. You... You say your mind went blank in that moment. Is that is that then the moment when it all sort of it, it felt like it slipped away from mm-hmm. you? 
Because what's remarkable is for anybody, anybody to be able to deal with the pressure that you've dealt with. And you, you have dealt with it brilliantly. But what do you take from this going forward about how to deal with those moments? Just don't forget what you have to go for now. <laughs> <laughs> always, always know what to go for. Um, but from the World Championships, I'll take all the experience I've got, all the fans and all the fans that have gathered around me. That was Luke Littler speaking um, earlier today to Good Morning Britain. A great character, he definitely oh. takes those interviews in his stride and, and speaks so well and funny and entertaining as well. And people are really fascinated by his habits, what when he gets up, what he eats. I think we'd all wouldn't mind having careers and darts if you could stay in bed at 12 o'clock and Absolutely. then have a pre-match pizza. <laughs> the margarita pizza, yeah, carb up <laughs> before you throw. Uh, but on, on, a, on a serious note though, um, Osti, he just seems to have remarkable composure and that's before you even take into account that he's 16. Yeah, yeah, like it, that's one thing that probably did stand out was and that's what probably got him through those other rounds to get him to there was the composure that he did exhibit in those other games and so on and again as a go, go back to as I alluded maybe earlier when you are younger and, and you don't you know the biggest thing that generally happens athletes or sports people maybe when they do progress through the careers is that they generally t- tend to overthink things you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it can be quite stifling and they can play, you know, or throw tight. Um, and, you know, the innocence of youth often gives you that kind of looseness that you that you don't overthink it. You haven't been there before, so you don't know the pitfalls. So you go out and throw and and, and you feel quite loose. And he's clearly, even from that interview, you can, you, you know, you can hear that sort of languidness in his voice and that looseness in his character that he's that he's very, very relaxed and so on. Um and it's great to see, like, I think the game, you know, all sports and all games, particularly darts, I think, has probably been crying out for someone like him to mm-hmm. come along to really reinvigorate the sport again and, and, and connect maybe a younger demographic and profile with it. Yeah, um, we should mention Luke Humphreys as well, though, like the fact that he he won that final and has had such great form heading into it and is a star in his own right. He's not getting any coverage, really. And even <laughs> when you looked at the papers today, like the pictures are still of Luke Littler even though he didn't win. Yeah, I suppose it goes back to the winner takes it all. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah they won't have a song. Yeah, he'd be happy enough. Um, before we move on from um, this topic, Austin, though, just talking about habits and looking ahead to 2024, lots of our listeners will be trying to, to focus on the positives and set good habits and I, I guess just try and, and get into a place where they're feeling happy and healthy and all the rest. Any good tips for getting on the right track? Yeah, I, I think this time of year is it's like it's a really special time of year. I always feel from a lifestyle perspective, like to to use this. I, I'm always saying that that first week of January, or particularly that that period between you know Christmas and the New Year, to 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 sit down. Number one for me is the biggest thing is to reflect, reflect on the year that's gone, and if you want to change in terms of lifestyle and so on, reflect. That generally creates what we would call an awareness or maybe old habits or behaviours and patterns that you want to change, and coming out of that, then you know. I'm always saying awareness precedes action. So are there things that you want to action going forward? And no doubt we, we, we're, you know, in terms of our lifestyle at the moment, there's so much things competing for our time and attention and so on. It's very easy to fall into the, the first weeks of the year and, and it's the year is upon you and it runs away from you. So I think what falls out of that, that, that period of there of reflection is creating a little plan for yourself. I'm a big believer mm-hmm. in sitting down, creating a plan. I often call them a little map, a, a massive action plan. You know, and looking at maybe not to overcomplicate it, three or four key areas of your life, your health and well-being, I think, is is the priority always. You know, it's you know the the old adage of putting on your own oxygen mask first before you can help and serve other people. 
that's one key area I think to set some goals in around your lifestyle and so on the second one for me there would be again probably most of us around our professions to tie the two together you know your lifestyle your profession or maybe it's your education if you're a student and the third bucket I think is always is in terms of family and social the connection piece so creating small goals within those areas um, and you know creating you know new habits within those areas to try and accelerate maybe the, the growth and the change you want to, within them Okay, that's very good advice and um, I'm sure sports people apply something similar as well when they're setting out yeah. ahead of their season. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is a key, keep a key. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really a really important and a key time of year for any sports uh, person, particularly again going back to sitting down and I suppose crafting the vision for yourself. I'm a big believer in, you know, when you sit with someone, be it an athlete or a, you know, um, anybody I suppose that, you're, that you coach is sitting down and helping them to craft a vision for themselves for the year ahead where do they want to be at this at this point next year you know and if you can create craft a very very clear vision um and then reverse engineer that come back to mm. what do i need to do daily and weekly to move towards that and again that simple thing of setting little targets and goals that we can strive for within those areas and it doesn't have to be over complicated but there's one th- one or two key things i would say in there is is to have some element of measure in there that you can track your progress and also the the, the one that i find very beneficial is the accountability piece is to have somebody that you're accountable to you know whether that's a coach that you're accountable to or whether it's a partner or whether it's somebody a friend that can that 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 you know that that can keep um you connected and it makes your goal a little bit more sticky um that you are accountable to someone and that you that you that you're answerable to someone w- within the areas of change that you want to make within your life so with all of that in mind the vision for the year ahead the season ahead how important are these pre-season competitions like the O'Brien Cup or the McGrath Cup or the Dr McKenna Cup yeah I, I guess it and it comes back to what, what do managers want from it and what do teams want from it like looking in I suppose from last night you know you've seen certain you know younger teams fielded by different counties and so on but I think from, from the outside looking in um, and having coming through that system myself probably as a player you're always looking at from a manager's I suppose uh, perspective is that you're working on something in terms of game plan that there's something maybe it's only one small thing in terms of system of play or so on that you're going after during these these competitions because you can find that these competitions you know you can bring a collection of guys together and you can go out and play and it just rolls and all of a sudden there's a month gone and you're literally just fielding teams to get through you know a competition and get it out of the way and get guys up and running but I think the, the good managers and the good setups will be targeting um, these 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 games and they will be it might be only something small and granular around their setup and it may not be that visible from you know a supporter's perspective looking in but from a player's perspective you're always thinking like what are we actually going after here within these games are we are we working towards something that we're going to bring through into championship and so on so they are important from a conditioning perspective and getting guys up to speed and all the other bits and pieces but I think from a tactical and a game plan perspective as well there's definitely there's areas for growth in there as well for anyone who wasn't tuned into uh, the results in those competitions that were on last night, there were victories in the O'Brien Cup for Kildare um, over Carlo, Offaly over Leash. Then in the McGrath Cup, uh, Cork scored 2-14 against Clare. Um, mm. Clare got eight points. Big win for Kerry over Tipperary. 
but I guess look it's the Dr McKenna Cup that seems to to garner the most interest I don't know what it is about um, <laughs> the, the football there but people turn out in their droves to see these teams playing and I think then when you throw in Mickey Hart managing Derry and Jim McGuinness managing Donegal then the interest seems to rise well Chris McNulty a journalist uh, from Donegal joins us now on the line and Chris was at the Donegal Armagh game last night I guess we better caveat this result before I read it out that it was a very young Armagh team but Donegal did rack up 3.16 to Armagh's 1.6 in Bally Buffet but Chris the big interest is of course how did Donegal play maybe you could tell us yeah, well, I suppose Austin uh, Austin touched on this there, there a few moments ago, Marie. You know, probably a big thing that we would have seen from Donegal last night, maybe it wasn't anything obvious in terms of a, a style of play, but I suppose the big thing that Jim McGuinness has tried to instill in, in both the playing panel, you know, his own management team and Donegal people has been just a, a bit of self-confidence again, you know, and, and a bit of self-belief. You know, we all know what happened. And, you know, I've been on your show over the last 12 months, Marie, numerous times talking about Donegal and, and where they had fallen to. And, I suppose for Jim, you know, the immediate task was to was to lift the mood of the county, and certainly that, you know, I think the the first thing that was quite noticeable last night was there were almost four thousand people um, at Sean McCool Park last night for you know a pre-season game against what was the Armagh under twenties. You know, I mean, that, if you were to write that down, sort of yesterday, it wouldn't look all too glamorous. But I think you know that sort of sense of intrigue and and the sense of you know a wee bit of anticipation and perhaps even expectation, as silly as that may sound, where Donegal have come from, you know, and and, and we do caveat the result and everything about the game with the fact it was a very, very young Armagh team. I mean, Kieran McGinney was off with, with, a, with a more senior Armagh group to play in a challenge game last night, which probably tells you where Armagh are at. Are at. And it's just, look, two teams at, at different stages of their development, different stages of their preparation and all of that. But look, they all racked up 316 and a number of very, very, you know, encouraging signs. And um, we, we, we'd say that, you know, I mean, what happens now doesn't necessarily feed into what happens later in the summertime. But certainly quite a few, you know, Michael Langan and Oshin Gallen both scored 1-4. A number of new players coming coming on board. And also the return of Ryan McHugh. Ryan, of course, sat out 2023. And a few other guys like that that will come back into the fold over the next couple of weeks. Look, you know, as, as early January games go, Marie, it was, it was pretty positive, pretty encouraging. And, and, and certainly a mood around Donegal that, that, that we hadn't seen in, in quite a while. Do you think that that potential has always been there or, or definitely in the last number of years in Donegal to 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 go on and actually do something, to achieve something, to, to, to be at the top table again? Yeah, uh, like absolutely. Because if you think in the nine years since Jim, uh, you know, went away in, in 2014 after Donegal lost the All-Ireland, there's been a couple... You know, of Ulster final losses, there's, there's been a couple of Ulster final victories, and you know a lot has been made in Donegal of, of the fact that Donegal haven't got out of the All Ireland quarterfinals in that period since. But there's been a couple of times, you know, I remember particularly a game against Tyrone a few years back where Donegal had had that game or looked to have had that game sort of wrapped up with maybe 15, 20 minutes to go, and the thing completely unravelled for them. You know, you think even back two years ago. Um, when Donegal were hammered by Armagh in, in, in a qualifier. Before that, they, they, you know, with 10 or 12 minutes to go in the Ulster final against Derry, they were right in the mix as well and, and probably feel like, they, you know, they would have left that game behind them. There's been just sort of little moments in games, you know, and, and certainly what happened in, in 2023, it sort of Donegal kind of just fell, fell off completely. The, you know, the wheels completely fell off on the pitch and off at... Um, 
But certainly, Marie, there have been, you know, there hasn't been a complete bar in 2023 when, when it did, you know, the car completely crashed on it. Donegal haven't been that far away from the top table. And I suppose now, you know, you look at there's a massive change in the guard with, with the likes of Michael Murphy and Neil McGee um, stepping away. But if you look even at the squad that Jim had at his disposal last night, you know, you would have to say from a Donegal point of view, you'd still have to be very, very hopeful that they can mix it and that they can be sort of in some ways competitive. Like, you know, I don't think anyone's going to make any drastic predictions or, or any sort of predictions that, that Donegal are going to do A, B and C in, in 2024. But, you know, again, you, you would have to be encouraged and have to say that, the, you know, they could and still should have the players to make them competitive up to a point. Austin? Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. And I think I even said it last year in 2023, and I think it was on the show, and I said that the quality that Donegal have when you look in, you know, there's enough of quality there for them to go, you know, very deep into a championship. I still look at the likes of Michael Langan, Oshin Gallen, Coman, Owen Bond, Kieran Thompson, one of my favourite footballers in the country, just in terms of the way mm-hmm. he plays and the quality of him and what he can give you. So I, I genuinely think, from a talent perspective, that they are well loaded and they're well stocked in there. And I think maybe just under Jim, it, it could just bring that gap galvanising effect to them and obviously with his style of play and the buy-in and I suppose what, what Jim brings you know the aura that he brings and, and, and to get to the togetherness and the connection to, to Donegal in the past as well I you know I'd, I'd, uh, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen them in an Ulster final this year yeah so Chris they scored 3-16 and word on the street is they've been racking up big scores in challenge games although you know you hear that thrown about uh, yeah. quite a lot in, in this time of year but um it's, look, high scoring probably isn't something you'd always associate with Jim McGuinness. Do you think that his philosophy has changed in on football? Yeah, look, I don't know maybe overall if his philosophy has changed, but I certainly think, you know, that, that we can see an evolution of, of, of what, you know, I suppose Jim... Jim is associated with a certain type of football, but again, if you look at the players you have, I mean, Austin touched, you know, Kieran Thompson has scored in Ireland, Michael Langan hit 1-4 last night, um, Austin Gallen came off and hit one, off the bench and hit 1-4, Patrick McBurdy's still there, and I mean, on Patrick McBurdy's day, he's still one of the most prolific forwards in the country, when Patrick catches fire, you know, there's very, very few that, that sort of could, could match him, so he has the scoring power, and you know, one thing that, that Donegal have outside of that, you know, they have a few players that, you know, those few players, the likes of Ryan McHugh, the likes of Owen Bad, like Patter Mogan, they've been known to come up and kick three, four points in a game as well. And I think the one sort of thing, intriguing thing with Jim is really when this comes to the crunch, how are we going to play? How how are Donegal going to set up? And I think it's it's sort of one thing, Jim, you know, you won't be able to tell, tell that sort of looking from the outside and over even, you know, maybe into the National League. He just said, said something last night I thought it was very, very interesting. He gave a sort of very um, lengthy post-match briefing last night in Balabafay. And one line that, that just stood out for me and you're thinking, right, OK, let's, let's see where this is going to go. He said, we're going to have to be creative and come up with strategies and game plans that puts us in a position. And you're thinking like when, when Jim is, is coming back after a nine-year absence and he's talking about creative, we, we know where that went to back in 2011 but you look at now the players that he has it's, it's a completely different Donegal it's a completely different game that he's actually coming in to coach in as well so I think it's going to be very very interesting to see where Donegal evolve and sort of Jim coming out coming out of a you know almost a decade in soccer as well and you know he was known in his previous time in Donegal to bring certain methods from other sports and particularly you know I remember him 
several times talking about different things out of basketball that he had brought into, into training and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see, does he bring anything in from his soccer coaching? I mean, he's gone now and has a UEFA Pro licence. Like, that's not just going to be thrown out the window just because he's coaching Donegal. Like, not saying that he's going to come in with, with soccer tactics, of course, but there's got to be certain little things from the periods. You know, he's been in China, he's been in America, been well, well-travelled in, in the game of soccer over, over that 10-year period. That has to count for something. And just I think in an overall setting, it'll be very, very interesting to see just how Donegal are going to set up when, when they go to meet Mickey Hart's Derry in the Ulster Championship in a couple of months' time. Yeah, and I guess the other thing worth noting as well, Austin, is that he's been a full-time coach. Like that, that's such a rarity in Gaelic Absolutely. games because most people have another job or, or you know they're not able to dedicate every single minute to coaching. But he's been on almost a decade. And yeah. I, I suppose if you add in the the Donegal time as well, you know, a long time there studying how to be a coach. That's exactly. He's just gone away. He's been a student of the yeah. game. He's been a student of coaching. And, and uh, you know, when you think of it, as you said there, you know, the majority of his day is consumed with 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 looking at players, with looking at tactical formations, with looking at different innovations. And I'm not surprised. Trying to find ways to be creative. Trying to yeah. find ways to be creative. And and this is what he's come back to. And all the best coaches, and I, probably he's he, you know. He, he's spotted something already I'd say there that in terms of you know the flexibility that's now needed to mm. to, to, to be successful within with you know within any sporting environment or so on I think that will be a huge huge part of it so the idea of creativity and innovation and getting players you know from a mindset perspective to be comfortable and agile mentally agile to switch and to be creative and to find solutions and all of that and from the soccer background like I mean you know there's definitely parallels he can be drawn on in terms of you know the pressing game and mm-hmm. simple things like you know just body position within your position and how you receive the ball and, and, and creating width and depth and all these things without doubt he's going to bring all that in and, and, and utilise yeah. it and he has you know he has a bunch of players that are probably just hanging on every word he says and the big thing is like the belief that they will have you know you know two sentences from Jimmy McGuinness is worth you know it's weight yeah. and gold comparison because the, the, the belief mm-hmm. factor there and he's well. won before as he's well he's won he's <laughs> yeah. an absolutely which helps you know which which just drives it to a deeper level within the, the, the psyche of a player you're dealing with as well in terms of the, the belief in that but I uh, couldn't agree more to you yeah he's, he's been a student of the game and um, you know he, he may have a jump on the competition from that perspective it's uh, it's a uh it's the recipe for excitement anyway. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what, what, what the evolution is. Uh, Chris, you mentioned um, Derry. Now, I know you were at the Donegal game, so you wouldn't have got to see it. Um, they beat Cavan last night, Mickey Hart's team. Did you hear anything about how it went? Well, I, I suppose, again, very much like, like Jim coming into Donegal, the, the intrigue of, of Mickey Hart even going to Derry and the, and the sort of, you know, the sort of furor that got, that caused, obviously, Mickey, you know, well associated with with Tyrone and and coming in after everything, you know, that happened in, De- in Derry last year. I haven't actually heard too much of, of anything about the game itself, but you know, already from that draw was made. Like Mickey Hart's mind will already be be looking at that first Ulster Championship game, and of course, Derry haven't knocked on the door of bigger and better things than Ulster over the last couple of years. Like the the pressure sort of on Mickey Hart in, in terms of not just maintaining well, what Derry have done over the last couple of years, but and building on that. And then the draw throws up against Jimmy McGuinness at Donegal. And, you know, you, you go back that decade and some intriguing, fascinating battles that, that they had over the years. And I'm sure both of them, um, Jim and Donegal and Mickey and Derry, will sort of be looking over the shoulder to see what the other's doing. You know, they'll sort of avoid each other in, in the National League, which probably for both is, is no bad thing. You know, I think maybe, you know, 
certainly playing in Division 2 is going to suit Jim and Donegal. It's a wee bit more forgiving than, than, than playing the top teams every week, particularly now that the games are coming and, and the competitions are coming thick and fast. It was something Jim actually alluded to last night where, you know, before if a fella in the championship had picked up a hamstring injury, there was maybe three, often four weeks to get that repaired. That's now gone. So I suppose, look, very much like Jim and Donegal, it's, it's new territory for, for Mickey completely in Derry. But I suppose from a Derry perspective, the onus is, is maybe more so on them to hit the ground running early and maybe more of an expectation. For Donegal, people are probably coming in a bit more hopeful. There, there's certainly been an air of expectation in Derry that they probably haven't seen or heard tell of. You know, Derry said even going back to the 1990s. Yeah, I think in, in Derry there is just one thing on their minds and this is the start of it now and it's to, to walk those steps at the end of the year and and collect that Sam McGuire. Yeah, I think so. There is. There's that, and obviously that brings a bit of a, a pressure on Mickey and, and uh, Gavin Devlin is in there. But it's incredible to think that uh, Mickey Hart, is he, he's in his 22nd mm. year of managing teams, you know, like three different counties, three, now, di- yeah. three different countries. What, what a like, what a block of work when yeah. you think of it, and what a, you know the resilience and the grit of the man to to, to navigate those twenty two years, and you know, and, and to be watch still him, at the top, and to be still at yeah. the top and still doing yeah. it, and to watch him there last night, you know, as stoic as ever, you know, hands folded, looking on, and sometimes you just wonder, you know, what you know, the cogs are turning. What is he thinking? Like, it's a guy that's seen it all, has won it all, uh, and is still a huge hunger and passion for the for for the game. So. Look, it will be. I suppose that the key thing in, and you know, we spoke about before maybe was the idea of creativity and innovation. Can he find something else to to just add to the dairy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's just on the dairy psyche. Again, he's he's coming from a perspective of having won all Ireland's. Maybe that in itself is enough to to really get into the psychology of the dairy players about what they're doing uh, and and how they're doing it and and the belief factor to to get them across the line. You know, I don't think. He has to he has to change a whole lot. Derry have a, a very good system of play. They have excellent players, but um, it's just I think it's small margins to find that and and to instill that little bit of belief to just nudge them over. Chris, I know it's only early in the season, but just from a I guess a, a trends point of view, are you expecting anything different this year from Gaelic football? Well, I think you have to sort of expect that you know if if you look at the volume of managerial changes. Um, that, that that are in, in, in football, and you look at you know the big, big moves like like Mickey going to Derry and like Jim coming back into Donegal. I mean, Jim Jim just said so, something again in his post match last night that Donegal don't want to be the same as everyone else. So already there's one of the teams that's aspiring to be at the top that are going to do something different. What exactly is that? You know, Austin touching at their high pressing game. There's some sort of little kind of chinks of that coming in Donegal last night and. You know, again, we'll be looking at all those things over over the next over the next sort of few weeks and, and and few months. But I think you have to expect something different now because the coaching and the playing has got to such a high level. I mean, this this is a professional sport. There's no question about it. The way these teams, the way these players are prepared, the way they're you know they do everything off the pitch in, in terms of it's it's full time and it's it's all in. And like any sport now across the world, it's got to change from from one year to the next because. You look at last year and, and, and the All-Ireland, Dublin and Kerry. What are Gary, Kerry going to do? You know, they're beaten by two points in the All-Ireland. What are they going to do to close those couple of points? You come back again, Derry so close in a semi-final. All of these managers, coaches and players are just looking to find those small little percentage points. And I, I don't think we'll see anything massively drastic from any team. I think, you know, if you look at the likes of Donegal, it's maybe just a bit of collective sort of belief, a bit of collective confidence and what that can do for a team at their level is massive. But as you sort of move 
maybe up the food chain, the little percentages, they get smaller and smaller. But as you go up and they go smaller and smaller, what that means is is, is absolutely massive. Look, it's, it's going to be very intriguing with those changes and, and what that all means for it going forward. It's, it's certainly going to keep us in the edges of the seats going forward. Yeah, now that it's back with the buying, back, Austin, it's back with the buying. And on Sunday, we have two All Ireland club football semi finals, two mouthwatering ones as well St. Bridget's of Roscommon taking on Castlehaven of Cork. And I think it's fair enough to say the bigger one is Kilmacud <laughs> Crokes and Glen, and, and the history between the two of them um, will no doubt attract a lot of interest. Do you think that, well, I suppose, first of all, do you think it's fair to say that if Glen win, that they upset the odds? Probably look given on the balance of power that that, that Kilmacud Croaks are Ireland champions and the way they've been moving probably through Dublin Championship and on through Leinster and that they they're definitely going in as as favourites. But um, I suppose that's notwithstanding looking at the form of Glynn obviously as well and you know you're always looking at a team that losing all Ireland and you know what are the signals when they come back the following year and I think you know Glynn have have put their hand up and they've they've put a couple of flares up throughout that they really are going for this again and the hunger seems to be there the desire seems to be there but also I think the freshness and it's a testament to the likes of Conor Glass and these guys mm-hmm. I mean it's just incredible when you think of the season that they had last year you know falling short at club and you know the following week he togged out and lined out for Derry in a National League game and all those guys were backing up and running and he's been on that treadmill again um, so it's, it's, it's going to be such a compelling game um, you know which way will it swing Two quality sides. It's very, very hard call. I suppose the the you know the the pragmatists within me are, are looking at the game. You're thinking that maybe just you know in terms of hunger, maybe Glenn that might be just tip the balance for them for uh, next week, and that they might might get over the line. You know. Yeah, uh, Chris Shane Walsh is showing great form though, and then um, you throw in Paul Mannion as well, yeah. and and some of the other huge players that Kilmacud Croaks have. Do you think that Glenn will be able to do it? I think Glenn will be certainly able to take them to a place maybe that you know take them to a place where they're very very uncomfortable. But I think over the balance of of an entire game, I think you know I, I would still hedge the best with Till McCud ever so slightly. I think Glenn are certainly going to come a seriously hungry animal, a seriously probably wounded animal as well. And you know they've put a lot of effort and a lot of focus on that. But I think just going down the stretch for me, Till McCud just about would edge it. And Ossie, what about the other ones, say Bridget's and Castlehaven? Yeah, two 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 really good uh, outfits as well. I've watched a good bit of them through their 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 club campaign. Obviously, Castlehaven and the celebrations afterwards. You know, it was mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it was historic. And it, if it, they can it, play in that weather, they can play in anything. They absolutely, yeah. It was atrocious conditions in the way they found Bridget's again. A lot of history in this yeah. coming in as well. Very good side took Corrafin out of it. You know, I'd be leaning towards Bridget's on this one. I think uh, just from what I've seen them in terms of taking Corrafin out. Um, and their pedigree um, when they you know they've, they've been here before and they've seen it even though that obviously the, the, the characters in that team have changed since they've gone on a big run before and that but I just think history too is behind them you know Chris yeah no, yeah, I think you know the, the, the energy and the confidence that, that they'll have taken from from taking Corrifan out as well you know that's got to take them you know co- coming into the Christmas break that's got to have taken them to you know a place where they seriously you know will, will be really 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 energised by that and what that would have done to the group you know and, and winning Win, winning Connacht football for the first time in 11 years and, and all of that I think definitely I would say was both Bridget's and that one 
Okay, well, look, our first football preview of the year done. Full steam ahead now. Heads well, down heads until down. the end of July. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about a lot of football Please over God. the next uh, few months. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Osti, uh, you may stay with us. We have another few things to talk about. We're going to take a very quick break, but do uh, stay with us. We will be looking at the Irish women's teams, uh, hockey teams' hopes for qualification for the Paris Olympics. And we'll also be talking to Jeff Shepard. Game on on 2FM. Now, the Irish men's and women's hockey teams have their last chance at qualifying for this year's Paris Olympics coming up at a qualifying tournament next week in Valencia. We'll hear from the men's side on tomorrow's show, but today we're focusing on former World Cup finalists, the Irish women's team. We'll hear from head coach Sean Dancer shortly, but first, here's Irish captain Katie Mullen speaking to our own Claire McNamara. Uh, almost all set for another tilt at uh, qualifying for the Olympics. What a uh, what shape were you in and the rest of the squad in? Yeah, fantastic. We're so excited now. We've had brilliant preparation. We were away for two weeks there before Christmas. Um, came home, spent maybe 48 hours with our families and then we've been here training since. So, yeah, we're really well prepared and the excitement is just building nicely into the tournament. So um, we're looking forward to getting on the plane now this weekend. Huge commitment involved, as as you say, and I suppose it's it's a lot of pressure as well because you got you got to make it through this one, and the the opposition is is tough. Yeah, true, but we know pre- pressure is a privilege, um, and I suppose we've we've experienced now of getting through the Olympic qualifier like we did the last one and going to the Olympic Games. So we know we know how it all looks, um, and I suppose half of the squad have that experience to to share with the other half, and then you have the new the youth that are just so buzzing and excited and sort of a breath of fresh air so we have a really nice combination in the squad and uh, it's just setting us up perfectly for the tournament How does that mix then? Do you you more experienced players? What kind of role do you have in mentoring maybe the younger ones? Yeah, I suppose we just share our learnings from past experience but also um, get really involved in their excitement and their freshness and uh, learn a lot from them too I think we're in a fantastic place in terms of our strength and depth in the greater squad as well and that has allowed us to train really really competitively right up until right up until leaving we all remember the drama of the last time you qualified for the olympics that that shootout against canada in donnybrook you expecting more of the same yeah i think that one sticks in a lot of people's minds um i suppose my two experiences of olympic uh qualifiers have both been very very exciting ones that have gone right to the end so we know that there's there's many ups and downs in these kind of tournaments and we just have to keep ourselves um, focused and keep our eyes on the prize to reset and make sure that we um, execute when we need to. you got a lot of uh, tough opponents to come through this one. Three teams will, will come out, isn't it, out of, out of the eight and you've got Belgium up first which are you know, fourth side in the world. Yeah, I suppose we've had experience of playing a number of top ten teams in the last 12 months and uh, we've come out on top in some of those and we've learned a lot from those experiences so I think it's built a lot of confidence in the group you know, we went to a World Cup two years ago where we um, had five players get their first cap in the opening game. But now we've an abundance of games under our belt as a group. And what we've learned from each of those experiences is going to stand us in good stead for when we go to the qualifiers. What would it mean to, to get to Paris after that first sort of Olympic experience, I suppose, back in Tokyo? Yeah, I think, you know, we, um, we qualified for Tokyo 
pretty soon after the 2018 World Cup and I think this is the next big step for the Irish women's hockey team and uh, it, it kind of puts down a platform that um, with the new players coming in we're still at the top and we're very much fighting to be in the top 10 in the world and to play in pro leagues and um, look to fight for medals in major competitions and this next step of qualifying for Paris is, is critical to that so um, yeah we're excited and we're ready to go. How much has Irish hockey changed and pushed on from, from when you started playing? I know now it's, it's more semi-pro, you seem to have a lot more uh, resources and facilities available. Yeah, it's been amazing to be part of the journey over the last uh, 10 years and see where it's gone to in terms of its professionalism. Um, I mean, we used to be quite limited in how often we could meet together and we had to do a lot more of our training regional based, so in our different provinces. But um, the last couple of years has been amazing to be a part of it, to be in Abbottstown every week, pushing each other to get away more often as a group. And uh, I think it's it's a big factor as to the rate at which we're progressing and growing the sport and the strength and depth that we now have um, with around the Irish women's hockey team. So it's exciting times. We hope ahead. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And like... The, the qualifying for this tournament is, is, is a reward for us, but that doesn't put aside all the hard work and all the progress that's been made, and that's going to continue for this team you know, in years and years to come. And I'm so proud to be a part of it and so proud of the group for um, committing and getting to the semi-professional level. Uh, Sean, you're about to set off on this uh, Olympic qualification journey. It's a kind of a make-or-break tournament, isn't it? It's, it's the only and last chance to qualify. Yeah, look, uh, it is It is tough to qualify for the Olympics. Twelve teams go, uh, the continental winners go, so Holland go through from Europe, and then everybody else goes into a, a big pool and fight it out to, to qualify for the Olympics. So. And there is a couple of teams in there that they're ranked higher than you, and there's, there's three coming out of eight, basically, isn't there? And four are currently ranked higher than you in the world ranking, so it is a challenge. Yeah, so we uh, we sit fifth uh, ranked in the tournament. Um, we're going there to get a medal, and, and getting a medal in the top three will then qualify us for the Olympics. So uh, it is part of the bigger picture of, of where we're performing in tournaments and getting to. Uh, so world rankings are important, but certainly uh, we're not holding ourselves um, to that. I think you said a couple of weeks ago it's going to be cutthroat to make it. Is that how it's going to play out? Yeah, look, it, it is a tough tournament. Uh, the top two qualify to go through the semi-finals and then you play a semi-final, one and two play the final and three and four are going to battle it out and, and the winner will go to the Olympics. So, look, it, it is going to be really tough, um, uh, but certainly the way that we've been tracking and progressing, uh, including the mindset of the group, is in a really good place. Talk to us about the squad you've chosen. It's, it's a good mix, isn't it? I know you're, you're welcoming back some more experienced players. Yeah, look, we've, we've uh, worked really hard for the last two years. Uh, two years ago, we had a group of 20. Uh, now we're up to a group of 30, and that's 30 people competing uh, for the team, and that's really healthy. Hard headaches for, obviously, me as a coach to make final selections, but that's certainly the place we want to be in. Uh, and I'm really happy with the balance. And as you said, there's a, a couple of players come back into the group um, and that's that's also healthy for competition um, we have good experience so we have nine out of the 18 that qualified uh, the team for Tokyo in 2019 and we certainly have the majority of the rest of the group was there for the World Cup qualifier in 2021 as well so from a, an experience point of view we certainly developed and gained a lot of experience huge breakthrough of course we know a couple of years ago with that that uh, dramatic and, and very entertaining run to the World Cup final. Obviously, then we had Tokyo as well. So the group has has really grown and I suppose gained a lot of experience. So what would it mean to make it to back-to-back -back Olympics? 
Yeah, well, I think I think that'd be a really uh, true test of the character of the group is for us to be able to qualify for two Olympics in a row. Obviously, Tokyo was the first time they've qualified, and the World Cup result was an excellent result for the team. So I think that would just uh, show the the level that the team has got to, and um, I suppose they're right on the world stage to compete against the best teams in the world. So look, I think it'd be a real uh, uh, mark for us as a group uh, and a mark for the team to to get that Olympic qualification. And how has the group sort of, I suppose, grown and developed since the more recent competitions, the Euros and, and the, the last World Cup? Yeah, I think uh, I think one probably thing is, is around the mindset. So going to the Europeans, um, the Europeans is a very difficult tournament. Uh, the best placed Ireland's ever had is fifth. And in this, this one, we finished fifth. But the difference was the team was disappointed about finishing fifth and, and that's a huge step. So we know that we had more more in us. We know that we wanted to place higher. Uh, we know we have the ability to do it. So for me, the mindset of the group is, is really progressed. So basically what's changed really is, is the ambition. Yeah, yeah, certainly. But um, I mean, that's based on a lot of things. It's based on our ability to train regularly. We're here Monday, Tuesdays as a group, uh, semi-professional uh, players. We have very, very, um, uh, excellent staff that are full-time around the group and, and that's just made a, a huge difference for the group to be able to uh, have that ambition as well. Yeah, it's been a big change as you say to, to, to go semi-pro to have those resources now. It's a huge change for Irish hockey. Yeah, look, it's it's excellent um, um, but certainly it's needed. Uh, some of the, the, the best teams in the world are, are full-time and for us to be in that position we have to give it everything that we can so look I'm really pleased with all the support that we have Sport Island and all our sponsors are, are just amazing uh, it's the commitment from the group as well uh, the players do give up a lot to be able to uh, complete the program and certainly that's hard for them at times um, but certainly to compete on the world stage that's what we have to do and I'm really happy with where everything's got to Game on on 2FM Game on I on America now, welcome back. It is time to turn our attention stateside, and I'm delighted to say that Jeff Shepard joins us on the line for our first Iron America of the New Year. How are you, Shep? I'm um, great, Marie. Happy New Year. Great. Uh, great to be reunited with you. Did you have a good one? A nice Christmas and all of that? We did. All of the members of the Shepard family survived the holiday season, <laughs> and I can thankfully report that the young Sheps went back to school today. Oh. So. It's Amazing. a glorious Thursday. So I get that, and then now I get you. This is fantastic. Well, look, all, it's all coming together for you. Uh, I do want to talk to you about uh, Michigan and Washington in the College Football Playoff National Championship game. But I do want to ask you first about uh, Taylor Swift and Travis <laughs> Kelsey and, and how much they dominated headlines over the holiday period. Yes, yeah, so I got an opportunity to kind of hit on that with Damien on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, we were at the big kids' table, Marie. We were on RTE1. Oh, wow. oh I'm telling you, yes. I was wearing a tuxedo. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that was kind of one of the topics, uh, you know, by my year-end recap was, you know, all the things that happened in the world of the NFL and DeMar Hamlin and the Chiefs beating the Eagles. And then I just, in my note, I put, and Travis and Taylor. You know, it's just like, what else needs to be said? I mean, they have dominated, I mean, you know, the, the world in, in America of sports and entertainment now. And, of course, it's kind of gone global because of her, of her fame but yeah it's they seem to be going strong it appears they had a lovely new year's eve together so um you know again marie we you know what we do here on game on we love love and we just love to see love win 
what I'm wondering about though is if the if it ever goes wrong, what's going to happen? Are the is Travis Kelsey going to get cancelled by the Swifties? Uh, well, I mean, he's getting a song written about him. I can tell you an that album. much. Uh, you, yeah, <laughs> I, many album. albums. I mean, look, I, I don't really know much about her, you know, love life other than like she writes songs about everybody. I don't, I don't know how long these relationships usually last, but we've gone on a couple of months yeah. now. We may have like a, you know, multi-album, you know, like 36 songs. I mean, this could be bad. It must be good for the NFL, though, just from a fan perspective, though. Sure. Yeah, like a whole new set of eyeballs on the game and, and sports about audience. That's exactly right. And they're, you know, look, the, the Chiefs have been obviously a powerhouse. They've won, you know, two Super Bowls in the last couple of years. They're not as good as they have been in, in recent years for a wide variety of reasons. But that's not stopping the NFL from kind of showcasing them. You know, I mean, I think they were, uh, they were the afternoon, uh, the morning game on Christmas Day. They were the afternoon game last Sunday on New Year's Eve um, and kind of all eyeballs you know, on the screens at those times. So, yes, I mean, they they're, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to marketing this this league. Yeah, I know, it's good. And uh, now, um, look, college football is absolutely huge as well. Um, it's Michigan versus Washington on Monday in the playoff national championship game. How big is this one? Oh, I mean, look, Marie, both teams are undefeated. Look, last year, if you recall, we talked about Georgia and TCU, and TCU kind of pulled off an upset of Michigan in the semifinals last year, and then Georgia turned around and won. I, I, if I, off the top of my head, I think it was 187-2 to or something like that. You know, I mean, they just totally destroyed them. No one is expecting a result like that come Monday night. Washington and Michigan, two really good football teams that kind of do things differently. Michigan, their traditional Big Ten Midwestern American team, ground and pound, you know, big beefy guys down low, and they're just going to, you know, beat you to death for an hour or so. Washington, great wide receivers, an incredible quarterback who's very accurate, who can make plays with his feet as well. Um, and, and they've kind of, their defense has struggled at times. And so, but I, I think it's going to be a really interesting football game. Michigan survived, you know, the powerhouse of Alabama in overtime last week, and, and Washington withstood Texas. There's much more hype around the game this year than there was last year. I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion last year. And as soon as the coin toss happened, Georgia won. I, I just don't see it happening like that this year as well. And just in terms of the, the controversy around this Michigan team, what's been right. going on and how much has it affected them? So, look, they're 14-0. and 0, So, you Not know, maybe it affects them a little <laughs> bit off the field. But, I mean, on the field, they've been great. But, yes, so you've, you've had the sign-stealing controversy and some recruiting things. Their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, has actually been suspended for six games this season. And they're still 14-0. and 0, And they were suspend, he was suspended for the last three games of the season for that sign-stealing controversy that we talked about. Uh, but they were able to beat Ohio State for the third year in a row. Um, it's kind of galvanized them. You know, one of the players addressed it in, in post game, saying, you know, you can call it what you want. We call it adversity. We don't really care what anybody else says. And it's just one other thing we've had to, you know, kind of get over. It, it, but once kind of the game starts, that's not anything that's on their minds. And they've just they've just been a really good, solid football team again this year. And just on the NFL, then one week remaining in the regular season, how is the playoff picture taking shape? Yeah, so, you know, Baltimore and San Francisco, they've locked themselves in on the AFC for Baltimore, San Francisco and the NFC. They are the clear two best teams. I kind of find it hard to believe that one of that those two are not going to be the Super Bowl teams. Um, they, they've just done so well against all the other teams in their conference. And then Baltimore beat San Francisco two weeks ago on Christmas night. Um, there's a couple of games this weekend, Marie, that will determine playoff seeding. 
and who gets in and who gets out. Um, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have been playing well. Philadelphia has really been struggling here lately. They were gangbusters to start the season, but really have just struggled here in the last month or two. Um, but, yeah, so we've got, you know, a, a, those games this weekend, and we'll take one week off, and we come back next weekend, and it's all NFL playoffs. And, you know, that's when it's just really, really <clears throat> entertaining. Yeah, look, that's what we're here for, Shep. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Best of luck for the year ahead, and looking forward to all of these chats. Thank you, Marie. Talk to you soon. Well, that is all we have time for on the programme this evening. I'll be back on Monday. Shane is here tomorrow looking ahead to all of the weekend sport. Better De Silva is up next. RTE 2FM Game on on 2FM Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash Let the confidence last